Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name, you just uh, help us to understand more from your word every day. Holy Spirit, prepare our hearts, soften the soil of our hearts to just take in the seeds of the word of God to, to hide it in our hearts. Help us to just humble ourselves before you to, to praise your name every day. Because you be glory. Oh, and also, well, please bless the children as they're women and theirs as well. I pray that they would all uh, absorb so much of your word and, and, and be excited to, uh, to be Christians, to be followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Uh, thank you, Bob, for reading. I'll read it again. But you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So, uh, I like to yank precepts right out of those verses, and that's what I did. I hope the color kind of helped to see where it came out of. This time I didn't do the whole thing where they come over. But, uh, actually, I did. I did the ball, so I thought it takes a long time. <laughs> anyway, so let's look at some of the precepts that we can pull out those two scripture verses. Uh, one is chosen and called. Uh, we have generation, nation, and people of God connecting together. Uh, we have holy and peculiar. We have uh, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I have them separate there. We have out of darkness, which in times past were not a people, which have not obtained mercy. So you have sort of the negative side, and then on the positive side, into his marvelous light. Now the people of God now have obtained mercy. I'm going to wait and speak to the parent there. And uh, you should show forth the praises of him who have called you. That is, God being with him. All right, let's, uh, let's untangle all those. How's that sound? So, in, in basics, we're going to go through to be called and to be chosen. They're actually a little different. Uh, the holy generation, sorry, the Called from being something to chosen to be something. They called from and chosen to. Okay? Holy generation, the heavenly nation, and the peculiar people of God. And then finally, showing forth the praise of God who has called you. So, start off with let's talk about chosen and called. Be chosen and to be called. Called and then chosen, I should say. Who was called in the Bible? Adam, Abraham, Moses, all these are examples where specifically it says, and God called Adam, and God called Abraham, or Moses, etc. And some of them have a lot um, of different times where God has called them, and sometimes it says, and God called Samuel the third time. It's kind of neat, huh? God's calling. It's calling us, right? 
nation of Israel, God calls the nation of Israel. That's kind of a, a, a benchmark for us because there's going to be a similarity with God calling Israel as a nation as a, a peculiar people themselves and calling Christians, calling saints to also be a peculiar people. Okay, so it's neat. Um, he called the disciples, and actually if you look at the references in Mark alone, uh, there are so many times where Mark is noting that, God, that Jesus calls. He calls, he calls, he calls the blind man to come to him. He calls out, so it's really neat that Mark is kind of really noting that. He uh, calls us the brethren, um, he calls the multitude, called, he calls the Pharisees. You know, in school, Pharisees, they were really stubborn. Uh, they were uh, very legalistic, and yet he's given them the opportunity. He's given them a call. Right? There's a, there are some other interesting um, calls that I didn't put in there, but uh, if you want to dig in deeper, which I encourage you all to, get a Get a download software. I personally use Pure Bible Search software. It's King James. Um, but it does a very good job of searching. And you can search in so many different ways. It's free. Uh, and you can tie, tie thoughts together. So you can say, yeah, when I'm going to search, put, pick a word. And then you can add to that search, pick another word, and say, well, I want them in the same chapter. Or I want them in the same verse. And all the listings of those um, search results and it does that uh, based on the criteria you set. So, or you can say that they don't have to be together, and it just gives you the list of all the chosen and all the calls, for example. So you can see whether it's together, you can see it or not. Uh, if you use the root of the word and put a little asterisk there, it could be called, called in, called. So you just put C-A-L after anyway, um, I encourage you to, because you can learn so much where the same word is used elsewhere. Right? How? how does Jesus' the word use that word somewhere else? How's it connect? I mean, another version of the word called is like when you're named. And that's a very cool one, too, because on the other side of this, he called him Abraham. See how that works? We just read, just read that. Bob just read that. He called his name Abraham. So he calls us and sort of drawing us to him, but he also does a lot of renaming. And we get a new name that no other person knows. Like, it's, so it's just not just like being called in, it's also getting a new name, which really has a connection to family, doesn't it? Like, in a sense, your father names you, right? Or your father or mother name you. So you get like called in as part of the family, which also get called in terms of the name. So it's really neat to see those kind of connections. They don't really focus on that a whole lot in this one. I wanted to, but there's a time. I don't want to take three months like Paul does when he thinks. He calls uh, the Gentiles. And look at Isaiah. is noting that he's calling Gentiles. Knows that. Actually, what we read in Genesis 17 notes that he's going to call the Gentiles. This is going to all nations. So back in there, we see a picture of the gospel to Abraham, or through Abraham, to all nations, and then we get that stamp of approval, and we see it again in Acts, we see it again in Galatians, that there's going to be promises available to the Gentiles, to non-Jews, and Isaiah, he's talking about it a couple times there, uh, Paul reflects on it, I think that's amazing, 
even back in the Old Testament, as God's showing his plan to extend who the people of God are. Who, who's being called? Okay. Now, call does get used sometimes as if it was talking about being chosen. But there's a bit of a difference. So you can call everyone. I'll give you an example. For God so loved the world. Who's that to? To the world. Okay? Okay, so for God called the world that gave the only begotten Son, that whosoever, who's that to? The world. Everybody in the world. Okay? Anyone, I should say, not everyone, anyone in the world. Whosoever. Should believe in him. Shall not have shall have everlasting life. So the invitation is out there. We actually notice that talking about being born again. The invitation is there forever. That's what you call. But there's a difference. Many are called, but chosen. So we see that. Jesus says that's a slide I've come up. Many are called, but few are chosen. So there's a difference, isn't there? Sometimes, though, the word called is inferring that they were also chosen. So when you read the scripture, sometimes you can see the context does suggest that they were, that the, we're not talking about the everybody called, we're talking about the, those who were chosen. Okay? And when, it, when we say chosen, the flip side, and uh, Lauren mentioned this last week, is that that has the individual's choice built into that. Okay, so everybody's called. If you are chosen, it's because God knows who is going to choose. Right? Whose heart will it be softened? Who will be humbled to be able to repent and trust in the Lord for his salvation? Okay. Something I learned a long time ago. Long time, a number of years ago, is that Adam's sin wasn't consuming a piece of fruit. It wasn't consuming a piece of fruit. What was his sin? Do you know? Not, trust, not trusting God. It was not trusting. See, God said something and then she didn't believe it. Right? Well, she's not dead. He said the day I eat thereof, I'll be dead. And she's not dead. I guess I can have that too. He didn't believe what God said. Which makes sense because to get saved, you need to believe. So, first sin is not trusting God. The opposite is the trusting God. There's a verse, if I'm going to capture what you said also last week, which was. Uh, it's in John, there's several verses, that ties the idea of if you love God, you will obey his commandments. Right? And it's tied together with belief. Those who believe what God says will obey his commandments and do it. That's the first John, actually. The first one in there. Um, had him open last week. I was going to stand up and say it, but there's a lot of the sharing, so. Uh, the idea is that if you really trust in the Lord, you're just going to do what he says. See, it's not what gets you saved. This is a result of because you are saved. Okay. What are you called to? Again, specifically looking up with the word called, you called to liberty. That's freedom, right? 
right? They have three separate issues, they're probably tied in together. Uh, you're called to peace, called to grace, called to glory, called to holiness. Literally, the Bible says these are, you are called to, called unto these things. Called to be apostles and saints, called to freedom, called to eternal life, called to truth, called to translation, called to suffering for Christ. We don't like that one. We like that one. But you are called to suffer for Christ. Called to be sons of God, called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yes. Or that. Called to victory. I have a slide just for that one. It's a really cool picture of uh, in Revelation 17, which just tells us that what's going to happen is we're going to be riding back with the Lord Jesus. We're going to be there with him when he has victory over all our enemies. That's cool. We're called to that. Called to be on the Lord's side, right? Jesus calls everyone, Revelation 3.20 says, and we've talked about this verse a lot this year, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and I will sup with him and he with me. So, the picture, of course, is Jesus is standing outside the door, and what do you have to do? Open. And for those who don't open it, they've rejected him. Rejection is going to be punishment because they have sinned. Therefore, punishment is hell, temporarily, until they stand before judgment and get gas into the lake of fire. But my niece in the truck with me uh, yesterday, and somehow they were talking about something, they asked a question, and I was trying to explain that Satan has punishment coming. He's going to be bound in hell for a thousand years, released for a little while, and taken out and cast into the lake of fire. And uh, what I was trying to say was, it's his objective to get as many people in there as he can. I was talking about witchcraft, about the topic was, and so much witchcraft in the world, in the movies, and Elsa is a witch, but she's all colored up like this cute little princess, Queen Lady, right? Anyway, that was the context of it. Why did I diverge on that? I, I'm sorry, a little rabbit trail. But just remember that one day there's going to be a first resurrection, which is us standing before the Lord, a thousand years where Christ is reigning and our rest, and at the end of that, those who rejected him are going to face judgment and be cast into the fire. It's called the second death. First resurrection, second death. We're looking forward to the first resurrection. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, then you better be that, because the second death is not, it's irreversible, it's, yeah, time to do that, okay? It specifically identifies those who take the mark as well are going to be judged in that second death. So, do I believe that God's saints can take the mark? No, absolutely not. God protects us, he preserves us. We talked about preservation uh, a few weeks ago. Anyway. Jesus is knocking the door of our heart with every man and woman. It's up to them to open it. So he's calling. Actually, old terminology maybe, when you called upon someone, it wasn't with a phone, was it? We actually went and knocked on their door. See, our language has kind of grown away from some of that, but that's actually what calling upon somebody was.
Thus the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, for many be called, and few chosen. That's Matthew 20. And then again, he says it a couple chapters later, for many are called, but few are chosen. That's interesting because when Jesus says something twice, like verily, verily, we ought to be very, very listening, right? Verily means truth, or truly, or the truth. So, uh, Job 33, 14 says, God speaketh once, yea, twice. There you go, this is an example. And what do you say about establishing his word? Every word is established by what? Two or three witnesses. So, many are called, few are chosen. Isn't that a distinction between called and chosen? Okay. Open, open invitation. Unfortunately, and really unfortunately, there will be a remnant or a few that choose life. Choose to trust in Jesus. Okay, call from being something to something, to be chosen to be something. So call from being that old man, that old flesh, to something else. Remember, we're reading through chapter one, really focusing on you being born again. An individual going through a change, a butterfly, right? Going from that old worm to a beautiful butterfly. Actually, it's really cool, a little sidetrack, but butterfly is the children of the day, a child of the day, and a moth is the child of the night. It's an interesting little picture that's created in nature. I think that's cool. Anyway, so Christians like butterflies, and moths are. Like those who face the second death. We're of the day, we're of the light. That's going to come up and make sense in a few slides. Look, from out of darkness, like a moth, to this marvelous light. Going from darkness to light. From times past, we were not a people, but now we get to be called a people. What do you mean by not a people? It means that we're kind of a mixture. Of different ethnicities. Uh, we go from not having obtained mercy, in fact, having condemnation upon us, to having obtained mercy. And hallelujah for that. We all deserve death, didn't we? All we deserve punishment, but God has given us mercy. We didn't deserve that. From out of darkness into his marvelous light, John 3.19 says, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness, rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Whenever you're talking to somebody, and they steer conversation away, or, or uh, they don't want to talk about the things of the Bible, they're talking about light, talking about truth, it's because why? sin, right? Why did they reject the Lord in the first place? If Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Why did they reject? Because they like their sin. They don't want to get rid of their sin. They have to be broken over that, over their sin, and that they've sinned against their holy God. They don't want to let it go. They like it. John 12, 44-46, Jesus Christ said, he that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. 
I am come into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to draw us out of the mire, out of the darkness. When we walk in light as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise God for that. We can walk in light with him. That's what we do as believers, as saints, we walk in the light with him. Matthew 5, 13 to 16, actually I'm just going to read 14. Ye are the light of the world. How do you get to be a light? Because you're a child of the Most High. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ, and you're being made like Jesus. And we are the lights of the world. So it's our job in this darkness to shine his light, to reflect his light, right? And to remain in light. You know what I find is tough? The world is always pushing on us. It's trying to get us to be more like the world. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us uh, shine out. I mean, what has more power? Light or darkness? It doesn't take a, a whole lot of light to start seeing in the darkness, does it? So let's be lights. Let's shine out the darkness. We were, in times past, we were not a people, but now we are called the people of God. Who was called the people of God? Well, Israel was called the people of God. And God talked to them and said, listen, you are nothing. You're the least. But to me, you're precious. To me, you're my people. And he made them different. He made them peculiar. So, former heathen, Gentiles, people derived from many nations, 72 actually, if you read Genesis 10, there's 72 nations listed there. That's interesting, that's where our origins come from. You trace any origin, I got this big map actually. Have you seen those? Where uh, it goes through the timeline of Earth's history, but also shows the different um, ethnic groups and where the, what line they come out of, you know, which, which part of Noah's kids, Shem, or Japheth, Ham, and Shem, and, and where each ethnic group kind of derives from. It's kind of neat to see that. And today, we're actually quite a mixture afterward, right? So we have these different foundational nations, ethnic groups, and then now we've kind of got globalization so much, we've mixed it up a lot. But at the same time, we're Unless somebody can say, I am a Jew in here. We are not Jewish and we're Gentiles and we're a mixture of all those different nations. Uh, but God's going to say, or God has said, it doesn't matter what, what ethnic group you come from. I'm putting you all together in a spiritual nation, a spiritual ethnos, and my genes are in you. So it doesn't matter what your body's genes are. What's in your soul? What's, what's your spiritual genetics, your spiritual DNA, if you would? Right? And actually, we saw the word gene, didn't we? When we were reading that Genesis 17. In fact, what's the name of the book again? Genesis. Oh, right. Uh, and we talked about generations, which starts with the word gene, and not with the 
genes. So, what's talking about is talking about the genes, the gene pool. 72 different nations listed in Genesis 10. That's the gene pool we all come from. God's saying to Abraham, back in Genesis 17, it's not going to matter what gene pool they come from. They're all going to be blessed through you. Specifically talking about his seed being Jesus Christ. That's how we're all blessed. We're all one in Jesus, right? Because uh, Ephesians talks about one God and one body. Ephesians 4. One. Can't remember the moment. Romans 10 says, For there is no difference between Jew and Greek, for the, sa the, for the same Lord is over all, uh, sorry, is over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. So, Jew and Greek. Jew and, why does it say Greek? Well, there's this guy named Alexander, who went around the world and kind of conquered the whole known world at the time, and basically everybody's living with Greek, just interchangeable with Gentile. No difference between the Jew and the Gentile. Actually, if you look at Genesis 10, it starts with Japheth. Japheth was one of the sons of Noah. And it specifically says, and, uh, and that's how the isles of the Gentiles were divided. So where did the Gentiles actually come from? The line of Japheth. If you want to get real technical about it, that's the, the, the specifics when we say Gentiles. Although the Gentile gets a more blanket, anybody who's not a Jew aspect to it. Okay? But it's interesting because there's verses that say, as in Isaiah talks about, and the isles, and it was, uh, I think it was uh, Isaiah 49 reference that talks about the isles and the nations, and they'll know and worship God, which is interesting because specifically when it says the isles, it's all of us. We even live on one. Okay, we're over here. Okay, so let's talk about this. Okay, so from not having obtained mercy to now having obtained mercy. Psalms 2 says, Why did the heathen rage? I love that song. Does anybody remember what the end verse of that song is? Kiss the sun, lest he be angry. Who's the sun? It's Jesus, right? So, kiss the sun, what are we talking about? Trusting in him, becoming part of with him, right? He's your Lord. He's your Savior. I'm not talking about like a, an intimate husband-wife kiss necessarily. Although, if you want to talk about us being the bride of Christ, not a, a far-fetched concept. Romans nine fifteen. Oh, sorry, I missed that part of the psalm too. Says the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex in his sword of flesh displeasure. So remember, as heathen, as pagans, as Gentiles, as those who did not have the Lord as their God, they had one many gods, they were in that wrath right there. And, and God promised to vex them. He actually says that he has them in derision. In other words, God's pretty upset with him. He was pretty upset with us. Right? It takes one sin, just one, and you broke it all the commandments. Which means that condemnation again, hell like fire. So he was pretty upset. No mercy.
persevere, right? Except that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son to die in our place. Romans 9 15 says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Praise God that he will do that. He has done that for us, done that for me. I pray that he's done that for each of you. Trust that he has. So God has had mercy on those going back to doesn't it? I break back I, on whom, whom I will. I will means he's chosen. Fun thing about working on different languages with kids in homeschool is that we're looking at the different changes to verbs and all that kind of grammar, right? We dig it in on Oh, if you've ever seen Latin verbs, it's crazy. There's so many different variations that you can conjugate a verb into. And there's an assumption built in. For example, you know, like a, think about the word um, uh, ammo. Ammo. Oh, I didn't do my on purpose. Um, ammo means I love. But it means I love. The two words, I and love, in one. The verb means love. Because I have conjugated it in with an O on the end, it tells you the pronouns built into it. And it's like all the way through the pronouns are built into it, but not the pronouns sometimes will or shall or have or had are all built into it based on how you conjugate it, the verb. So it says like a lot less words going into a Latin phrase than there is in others. So I will have mercy is telling us that there's a choice built into that. Instead, they shall is the opposite, right? So I will means I choose to do something. I shall means I must do it. I, I don't really have the choice in that. Okay? It's like for, I've heard it said this way. Um, I, this guy in the water, he says, um, will you help me for I shall drown? Versus shall you help me for I will drown? The second one is the guy's choosing to drown. The, the first one where he says, will you help me? In other words, will the rest of you choose to help me, or I shall drown? I, I can't do anything about it. Okay? Anyway, both diversions there in the ground. Uh, we are a holy generation, a heavenly nation, and a peculiar people. Deuteronomy 14.2 says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself, above all the nations that are upon the earth. Wow, that sounds a whole lot similar to what Peter is saying, isn't it? One of the things I like about Peter, how much he connects the Old Testament to the New. So what's going on is Israel is a peculiar people, and the saints are a peculiar people. We're connected that way. We're actually also um, identified as Israel in a greater context. Now, back into the grammar and dictionaries and that kind of stuff. It's very helpful a lot of time to get that old Webster's 1828 dictionary out, find out what were the definitions of the words back in the day, since I read something that's from over 400 years old. It's good to always get those words out. So holy means, you know, to be set apart. I have the, uh, the actual full uh, definition of holy from the Merriam-Webster 1828, yeah, 
from Noah is really two twenty eight in the actual notes. So in the actual notes, no longer scripts in there, and the definitions, uh, which I emailed to Wendy this morning. So she'll send that out. Uh, generation relating to kin or kind. It's the same kind of thing when Noah put two of every kind onto the ark. Or your family, you're all kin, all kinfolk. Generations, referring again to the gene, the, what connects us together. So we're a holy generation. As saints, you've been sanctified by the Holy Ghost and set apart as his own chosen people, who will share in the same redemption and the same, in the same Holy Spirit and the same Word of God, and we are family. We're brethren. How many times is the word brethren used in the scriptures? I don't know, but it's a good one to look up. Leviticus 20, 26 says, And ye shall be holy unto me, for I am the Lord am holy, and have severed you from other people, that you should be mine. Does that not seem very relevant? That we have been severed from other people? We have left that old self, that old connection, for the, the flesh connection, to be spiritually together, Amazing, right? Change. In the same way, a mother and father give their genes to their children. We now have spiritual genes given to us by our Heavenly Father, as God made Adam in our own image. We too are restored to be made in the image of God. So now I have a blood test that's not going to show, okay? It's not going to come up as a, oh yeah, God gene built into you or something that's different, okay? At least in my knowledge. It's not about the flesh, it's not about the body, this is about. Being born again. Goes back to that chapter one, the study we had there with being born again. It's a new gene. We were spiritually born. It's in our spirit, it's in our soul, but not in the flesh. Genesis 1 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. Wasn't that God's original intent? That we are in his image. And as a fallen world, We've created, we've actually tried to create God in our own image instead of the other way around. Our bodies fall apart, everything's in decay. And in the amazing way that we have regeneration, did you hear that word? Regeneration, by the word, regened, <laughs> reconnected there. Spiritually, you're created in the image of. That is amazing. That's uh, being made holy, isn't it? Isn't it he holy? He is. We get to be made holy. And when we were told that, Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 said, Be holy, for I am holy. We're a heavenly nation. We're here on earth. How can we be heavenly nations if we're here? Again, spiritual. Heavenly means resembling heaven. Literally, what it says written in that Noah Webster's 1828. Nation is a body of people ethnically tied un under common rule. That's my sort of abridged version of longer. Uh, ethnically, because the word that's constantly used for nation is ethnos, right? It's eth ethnically tied together. So uh, we are tied together, not because of our worldly ethnicities, because of our heavenly ethnicity. So just the same way we receive our identity in relation to one another from our Heavenly Father, so too we receive spiritual genes from our Heavenly Mother, which the Bible calls Jerusalem love. 
She is our Lord, our inheritance, and we dwell together in heaven under the rule of Christ and as kings one another. Galatians tells us, Galatians 4 26, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. See? New mother, new father, new genes. Coolness. Right? All makes sense. All in context. Is there a picture in the Bible of that? Remember where Isaac went and Sarah died? He took his wife back up and he dwelled in his mother's tent. Heaven, our tabernacle. Kind of a neat picture, isn't it? There's all these other Old Testament stories and have some kind of picture that connects us together with that, right? And who's the bride? Who's Rebecca? We are. And who would represent Christ? Isaac. Where was he when he met Rebecca? This is well. The whole life could be living well. Isn't that another picture of Jesus? When the bride comes to him, who bought the bride? Abraham's servant. So in other words, the picture is the father sent his servant to get a bride from the world and bring it back to Christ, who's at the well with living water, and they dwell in him. So cool, isn't it? That stuff is, you know, that story first ever, I think I had goosebumps on that one. It was the first picture for me of realizing that, oh right, all those stories in the Old Testament, Aren't just Sunday school stories. They each have so much depth and meaning. Why did Daniel go in the pit? Because Jesus went into the pit. Why did Daniel come back up here restored to the right hand of the king? Because Jesus did. Take that, strap that out over Joseph, and you got one great study. Peculiar people. Now, I did not understand the word peculiar until I was doing this study. Now, it makes sense because you say, I've got a peculiar habit. That's just mine, right? See, I thought peculiar just meant different. It doesn't mean different. It actually has the same root as purchase. It's an ownership thing. It's connected to the idea that I own a very particular habit or behavior. So when God says that we're a peculiar people in Deuteronomy, or like what Peter was saying, he's talking about we're his people. Very specifically, different because we're his. That's where our understanding of peculiar can, can be founded on. It's an ownership, but he's different, we're different than the world because we're his. So, peculiar, we're his, and we're different because of that. Just like Israel was different. What did they do to show that they were different? They had to get circumcised, right? What do we do? Circumcise the foreskin or the flesh of your heart. See, the Israel was the example, the physical, the, the natural example, okay? The natural. As great would like to say, the natural and the natural. And circumcising heart is in the spiritual because we're spiritually born again. First Corinthians 1, 30 31. But of him ye are in Christ, who of God was made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What does redeeming mean? To purchase, to buy. A coupon is only good if it's redeemed. 
So in salvation, Jesus died and gave everybody coupons. Right? But it don't count unless you redeem the coupon. <laughs> Does this make sense? He's done the transaction. The transaction can't fully complete until somebody does that part, takes the, the coupon and says, okay, see, I'm in. Make sense? Doesn't work unless you could pay for something, unless somebody grabs the gift off the counter and walks away with it. They don't have it. Who pays? Salvation is that same thing. You don't grab it, you know, somebody comes over and pays for groceries, it's not money, but you don't take it with you. That was kind of a front to the person who just bought it for you, isn't it? So, take it. Or redeem That according as it is written, that he glorified, that he glorified, let him glory in the Lord. And that is important for us to remember, that we need to glory in the Lord. So, saying that, we ought to share or show forth the praises of God who calleth you. So, show forth praises. Because God saved us. He's made us from that mire and the darkness and that worldliness, the heathen, that rage, the pagans, he's taken us, he's turned us into clean, holy holy nation, new and fresh. So we have praise him. Psalm 86, 9 says, All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. All nations shall glorify thy name. Now some of them, most of them, because we know that many are called that you were chosen, most of them will be forced on their knees to give glory to God, and the rest, the few, that are chosen, we will stand before the Lord and give Him glory as sons of God, as a holy nation. Amen? We are a royal priesthood. And what do priests do? They lead worship. Right? They were, their job was to lead worship where each priest, as saints, Package deal. We're priests. We're royal because we are all co-heirs. We're sons of God. So we're royal priesthood. And our God and our Father is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. First Peter 2 5, which was Lawrence last week, says, He also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable. To God by Jesus Christ. It's our job to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And one of those, those sacrifices are prayer, praise, confession to God. And not only in terms of sin, but mostly in terms of God is good. God is holy. God is right. Confess to me, not agree with God. Declaring the word of the Lord with boldness. Just like they did in the book of Acts, Acts 4.31, and they spake the word of God, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, they spake the word of God with boldness. So, is it just the pastor's job to speak the word of God boldly? Is it just the worship team's job to lead people in songs? I'm sorry, you can't get away with that. You're all priests, and it's your job to be the light.
commands the world to go out and declare the message, word of God, the gospel, to praise him, to bring glory to his name. That's our worship. That's our job as royal priests. Why, why, we must, why must we all keep up this mantle given to us by the Lord? Because, brethren, he has been redeemed. Which means you are not your own. Jesus bought you, brought your freedom in his own blood because he alone is worthy to receive your worship. He bought you, and he alone is worthy of your worship. 1 Corinthians 6 20 says, For you bought with Christ, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. I want to birth. It's an honor. And, a final note, that we are over the Westminster Catechism. I think I'll get Mike said over there. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. If you want to know the verses behind that, they're in the notes. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word, and thank you that you have made us a pillar people, that you've taken us from the sludge, the mire, and you've turned us into a holiness, clean, set apart. Thank you that you've done all these things for us, that we can worship you and give glory to you, and that we can be your lights, reflecting the light of Jesus Christ into this dark world. Thank you that while we're here, you haven't left us alone, that you've given us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to empower us, to gift us. Help us to go out and speak the word of God you. What we do, help us to magnify the name of Jesus Christ and to bring glory and honor to you. And help us to have joy in the midst of suffering, difficult times, when we're having a bad day, we can have that day that this Lord help us to have joy in the midst of it. So that we, no matter what, no matter what, we aren't being whiners and complainers, but rather 